This is Including You, the new series from Lead at Any Level. Including You features stories from chief diversity officers and other executives who are creating inclusive cultures in their organizations. Our goal is to show what's working in companies just like yours, to give you the tools you need to keep pushing for progress in your own workplace. We want to create belonging and opportunity for everyone, including you. And now here's your host, Amy C. Wanninger. Welcome back to Including You. I'm your host, Amy C. Wanninger, the Inclusion Catalyst. My guest today is Jason H. Hawkins. He's the Director of Supplier Diversity of George Mason University. At George Mason University, they believe it will take all of us together to reimagine a better tomorrow. And they're unapologetically focused on action, ready to take on the world's full messy truths so that we may learn and grow wiser. George Mason University employs about 5,000 people. Jason, welcome to the show. Amy, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to meet you. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to talk to you because supplier diversity is an often overlooked niche within the diversity and inclusion ecosystem within an organization or out in the world. And so I want to talk about George Mason University in general, but I want to talk specifically about your role in supplier diversity, because sure. I think that opens up a whole other avenue to how we can think about diversity, equity, and inclusion in an organization. Fair enough? Fair enough. All right. So let's start with why does inclusion matter so much at George Mason U? Inclusion matters at George Mason only because our world, our campus is made up of people, individuals of different diverse backgrounds, point blank and simple. When we look at, I mean, we're the first school that's located outside of the nation's capital within Northern Virginia. So you have to think we're, we're seated right outside the center of politics. That attracts a whole range of diverse people into the D.C. metropolitan area. We want to be a forward-leaning institution that attracts not only diverse students, but in terms of personnel, faculty, and even the businesses who we align with are very diverse. It matches the statements and the branding that you see online is that we want to be an inclusive school all around, not just our student body, but also in all those categories that, that I just mentioned. It's really important for any organization, especially those that serve a community, to reflect on the inside what their community looks like on the outside, because that's how you reach people in the community. That's how you draw people in. And I think with supplier diversity, that even goes a step further in that you can start to bring more people into the ecosystem for an economic advantage. And that in turn fuels the local economy. Can you talk a little bit about supplier diversity specifically at George Mason University and why it's so important? Supplier diversity at George Mason University, a lot of the work that we do here is, is uh, fueled by the Commonwealth or the state government. Uh, a few years ago, there was an initiative within Richmond to develop a supplier diversity program that essentially diversifies the supply chain that jurisdictions, agencies, and or public agencies and jurisdiction uses. So to boil that down into plain English, what that means is that if you are an agency 
for a public leaning agency or a higher ed institution that is quasi-government related, there is a mandate that we want to use suppliers or we want to align ourselves with businesses or business entities that are that are diverse, that they fall into several categories, which could be small women, minority, service-disabled, veteran-owned, 8A micro-businesses. So the Commonwealth has trying to trying to get all of those categories into one bubble. They call this program the SWAM program. So it, as, as you think about uh, how the state is trying to capture all of these categories into one bubble, they have called this program the SWAM program. And what it's designed for, it, it is designed to attract small to mid-sized entities it's, and also give them an advantage to compete to market themselves and to essentially get a piece of the pie and or a piece of the opportunity that some of our prime vendors, when I say prime vendors, I'm talking about the big major companies that you see, Fortune 100 companies that have more resources and more capital to behind their ledger. We attract individuals from all throughout the Commonwealth and every other state that allows businesses to apply for the SWAM program. And it really gives them an avenue to compete, to really analyze the, the market, to see what contract opportunities are out there and which one aligns with their business businesses' goals and endeavors. And it gives them the, the chance to compete in competitive bids, as we like to call it in the supply chain world or procurement world uh, for active contracts. This does a couple of things. Number one, in my mind anyway, Number one, it increases the competition for contracts because you're looking at a wider pool of people who can provide goods and services to the state or to the university, but it also diversifies the supply chain so that if there are snags in certain areas, you might be able to source a good or a service from a different vendor that's not experiencing those same hiccups or those same issues. So it's both a competitive a strategy to encourage competition, but mm -hmm. also one that diversifies your risk. Yes, it does. I, I wouldn't say it diversifies our risk, but really it diversifies our portfolio and it allows us to really pick uh, and select the best suppliers that are out there in the market or the in, in better way to articulate it. It directs our institution with businesses who may not have the opportunity to compete at a at a competitive level as some of our prime vendors. And so with their with these entities by the entities that participate in the SWAM program, it, it as I said and mentioned before, it gives them an opportunity to compete. It gives them opportunities to meet stakeholders throughout the Commonwealth and, and within different agencies and jurisdictions. It, it gives them an incentive to compete for active contracts. And, and if anything, it shows them that no matter who they are, what their size is as, an, as a business, or what their socioeconomic or, or background is, as long as you are qualified as long as you have the experience and as long as you are willing to uh, promote yourself to the public, to public agencies, then you have a place within the Commonwealth to compete for active contracts. And there are many uh, cases that I could probably name off that are 
where businesses have come into the arena at many levels and they have won contract awards, they have solidified relationships with public agencies, and it also promotes their name out in the business. And there are some businesses after a while who will grow to such a size where they will, I wouldn't say they've outgrown the SWAM program, but because that they are attracting more business, then you know what, then it's time to pass the baton on to another entity that is a small women or minority owned business and let that business uh, thrive in as a prime competitor. Now, getting started as a small business is a tough gig, let me tell you. So let's talk a little bit about um, inclusion broadly at George Mason sure. University. What are you seeing happen there? What, are, what initiatives are you undertaking that you feel are really moving the needle for the university? I, I could say that with the supplier diversity program at George Mason University is designed to seek out the best entities or the best businesses within the industry or within the Commonwealth and really get them interested in working with us as a higher ed institution. In order to be successful at, in order for us to be successful, we use several strategies uh, in terms of public outreach, meaning that we're reaching out to businesses that are small to mid-sized entities, and we're letting them know that, hey, we are a hub that you may be interested in. And also the state government or the Commonwealth also has programs that you may be interested in applying for that can educate you on how to be more competitive as, as someone that is responding to contract solicitations and or bids. So we're performing outreach, we're attending events that are public and that are open. This gets our name out there within, within the atmosphere. The more that we perform outreach, the more that we are, are introduced to different individuals within government, within business, within higher ed institutions, it, it informs them essentially that there's opportunities, not only here at George Mason University, but in also some of the other institutions that are located throughout the Commonwealth. For people who may not be as familiar with procurement or supplier diversity that are listening, it's mind-boggling sometimes to think about what organizations purchase. Mm-hmm. what different categories or or what get different goods and services. Can you just give some examples of the breadth of the purchasing responsibilities that your department oversees? You can imagine for as a big uh, institution or a university like George Mason, our purchases are very diverse to support life and operations at a university. We have a student body here. We have professionals. It's to support the way of life. That means that purchases can range from anything from facilities construction to furniture to food and beverage to supplies to anything that you can think of. People from all walks of life that are coming and staying here for a portion of time, and this is their life. So you have to think that in order for those individuals to be successful, in order for the professionals to to really do their job, we have to be very strategic in how we make purchases. Those are a few categories that we focus on, but I'll try not to bore your audience. Oh, no, I think personally, I think it's fascinating that the university, George Mason, can have purchase agreements on everything from HVAC systems to entire buildings, to road work, to toilet paper, to mm-hmm. soap, right? It's just, it's such a wide range and it's so much to manage. 
what are you seeing happen at George Mason University or within the community as a result of your public outreach efforts, as a result of the connections that you're building within the community? Well, as a result of our outreach efforts and our efforts to engage the community, we're seeing a return on on our investments, if you will. What does that mean? That means that for every person that we engage, we're receiving double fold. Folks are emailing us, they're contacting us through phone. How can we do business here at Mason? Or better yet, how can we do business with public entities within the Commonwealth of Virginia? So is the pro- the questions that I will normally get is the process to do business with Mason, is it the same with other public agencies? Is it the same with other universities? How long does it take? Because you have to think as a business to get registered for anything, and especially if you are a an entrepreneur that is focused on you know making business for or gathering business for themselves to take time out of their schedule to apply for another program or to to register for something else it takes precious time away from their call profession so these individuals that reach out to me they want to know okay is this worth my while how will this help me what are some of the examples that you can give me, or if you are willing to share, that can prove to me that, you know what, that this program really does what it says that it does. And Amy, I can tell you that um, not only individuals like myself, but there are also individuals throughout the Commonwealth within the government that really are passionate, that are champions of supplier diversity, and that are doing their best to really extend the bridge of opportunities to businesses that are out there. If businesses are successful, then truly our community is successful. Then the word of mouth then passes on to another entrepreneur that is looking for opportunity. And this is how it, and really, and it just becomes, it's almost like a snowball that's going down a hill, but rather than smashing at the end of of its destination, there is good outcomes will come from that snowball moving down or moving down the mountain. We're introduced to the many entrepreneurs and individuals that have a lot to offer and really we'll try our, our, our very best to guide them in the right direction. This is, I love hearing the procurement side perspective on supplier diversity. And I'll, I'll give you just a little bit of background. So lead at any level, my company is a certified woman business enterprise, a certified LGBTQ business enterprise. Uh, we've got a couple of other certifications kind of floating around out there in different states and different places. And you are correct about the amount of time because these certifications are no joke. And especially the federal government certifications, 8A, WASB, the woman-owned small business, or economic disadvantaged woman-owned small business, which I have now applied to and failed to get everything right twice in a row. I've been working on this for six months, still don't have it right. It's no small commitment of time, but just the certification doesn't mean a whole lot unless you go register Mm -hmm. on all of the supplier portals from all of the companies or organizations that you were hoping will buy from you. Mm-hmm. And even then you still have to build relationships and know when the contracts are coming open and mm-hmm. how to approach and how to follow all the rules. And it is a huge time commitment. And I'm so appreciative that you recognize on the procurement side, how much small businesses go through just to get in front of a Jason Hawkins or just to get in front of a George Mason University. So thank you for acknowledging that. Not of no, no, not a problem. What professionals like myself do within this industry is that we're relationship building. As I said before, a lot of the individuals that comes to Mason or or even any business that 
aligns itself with a company that has an open opportunity. They are trying to form a, a lasting relationship. Now, whether how, depending on the contract and scope of work, that relationship could be, could go on forever or it could be short term, but odds are, and bottom line, it's relationship building. And this builds confidence, not only with the end user, but it builds confidence with the person that is out there competing. You are more likely to network. Your company's name is more likely to be passed around and to be circulated in a positive way uh, with other stakeholders and colleagues within the, within the industry. Because we are a public-leaning institution, uh, information uh, travels very fast and, and it is public. If I'm hearing about you, or about a business that is interested in applying for an opportunity or competing in an opportunity, and they do go through the process and they are successful, or if they, even if they're not successful, just by them registering within our portal, it informs other agencies and other individuals that, hey, you know what, this business does exist. And you'll be very surprised that there are businesses that will compete for open opportunities that may be hundreds of miles away, but you know what? They are the best qualified person that can do the job and what relationships are then formed. Yeah. And I think with COVID has done a lot of horrible things, but one of the things that it's done is it's made our connections less geocentric. We've been able to, everybody lives in our computer now, whether they live in our city or not. And so I think that the opportunities for networking across state lines, across even national borders in some cases have really, those opportunities have exploded. And so I think you'll see even more people, even more companies from out of state signed to these things because it's, the world's just getting smaller through technology. And you know what? That's a very good point to, to echo. Yes, technology, the, the pandemic had, was, it, it definitely, there were some pros and cons to the pandemic for sure. But the cons, of course, is that it, it you know, abruptly change the way that we do business and how we interact with one another. But a pro, a definite pro is because we have this technology, because we are so interconnected with one another, it allowed all of us, no matter what industry you're in, to do your job in some capacity that, and then do it efficiently in a way that you would not even consider, considered before. And yes, the more that we become reliant upon technology and Yes, we are introduced to more individuals who we may not have known were, were even out there in, in the world if it wasn't for the internet or technology. This is all good. All turns around to a positive, or this is my way of, of turning it around into in, a, a positive. Yeah. With all of the success that you've had in your outreach efforts and you know, standing up your supplier diversity initiative, What's next for you? What are the next goals that you want to reach or what are the next initiatives that you want to undertake? The next goals is, is to replicate what was done successfully in terms of us uh, interacting with the public and, and do it better. Uh, professionals like myself and colleagues within the industry, as I said, we're passionate about what we do. We're committed to it. We do share our efforts that, that are successful and we try to support one another in order to broaden the, the program and broaden the mission, which is to engage businesses, to enhance opportunities, to better the ecosystem of business, and to really make a lasting impact. So when I think about the 
what are the goals ahead. It's just to do it better, to learn from anything that, from any point where we might have had a mishap or had a mistake and just do it better. Uh, as long as we are able to help businesses achieve their goals. And as long as we're able to show that, you know what, we have a robust supply chain that's not only in name, you know, can say that they're a small women minority owned business, but you know what, these companies, they're actually competing. They're winning uh, contract awards. They're doing good work for uh, the university or another agency and jurisdictions, and they're able to thrive and be successful. Then you know what? It, it seems like a good measure for success. Although I would have to, I, I digress and I, I leave that critique for someone else to give me, but truthfully amongst peers like myself, this is what we hold ourselves to. I think it's a wonderful goal and a, and a noble endeavor. And I know that every investment in small business that any organization makes or any person individually makes is has a real impact on the lives and the economic sustainability of a community. So I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today and talking about supplier diversity. And thank you for sharing this with my audience. Amy, thank you so much for uh, extending the invitation to me. It's good chatting with you. And really, I, I look forward to holding on to this relationship in the future and seeing where, where it can lead us. You're very likely to find me in your supplier portal later today. Hey, there we go. See, thanks so much again. <laughs> Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow Lead at any level on LinkedIn and YouTube. Then join us for Including You video simulcast every Thursday at noon Eastern. Including You can also be enjoyed each week as part of the Living Corporate Audio Podcast Series. Available on all major podcast platforms. Learn more at living-corporate.com. Including You is brought to you in part by Lead at any level a boutique training and consulting firm improving employee engagement and retention for companies that promote from within. Lead at any level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. Lead at Any Level and its logo are registered trademarks of Lead at Any Level LLC. The views and opinions of guests on our show do not necessarily reflect the positions of Lead at Any Level, Living Corporate, or the sponsors of Including You. That's it for this week's episode of Including You. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to join me next week when my guest will be Victor Simmons from Atelier Ace Hotel.